Welcome, fellow humans, to the Writing is on the Wall broadcast, coming to you from WHKW 1220, a Salem radio station. If you wish to call in and ask for clarification about something I've said or to comment, please call 888-677-9673. Once again, that phone number is 888-677-9673. When you call in, please address me as T.A. for I am the teacher's assistant. And that phone number, once again, is 888-677-9673. This program is a non-religious, non-spiritual investigation of everything we can discern that was created, recorded, and modeled for us in the Bible. Now, I start off that way each week because I want to make it clear what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to get across to you. And that is that the Bible has a structure and a methodology for you that will save you and your brothers. Now, it's not merely salvation of your spirit. It is salvation of the human race. And that's what we're working on. Uh, Tonight, we will go over salvation of your spirit and salvation saving the opportunity for you to save yourself. So, and that's in the Bible, and we'll go over that part. But first, I wanted to start off by saying that I sit here, uh, probably I get here a half hour early, maybe a little more than that, and I listen to several pastors um, who preach on the radio, and uh, I'm sure they're all well-intentioned individuals. I know I used to enjoy listening to them when I was looking for the way. The Spirit kept leading me onward, thank goodness, to the Bible, and instead of uh, to other human individuals who thought they knew what you were supposed to do and think. Uh, and some of them didn't get that from the Bible. But it turns out that it's really clear. But you have to read the Bible for content. You can't skim through it. You have to read it with the thought in mind, all right, God, does God want me to know? Why did he do these things with these people? Have it recorded for us and preserved so that here in the 21st century, after the birth of Christ, we would have that information at our fingertips. And then secondarily, you have to ask yourself, did we get all the information, or has it been hidden? Has it been obfuscated? I know it's a big word, but it means... Did somebody paint something over the top of it so you didn't know what was there? Uh, Or did someone mix other stuff in? The ancient original testament says, and the Jews were all aware of this, do not add or subtract anything from the word of God. That's part of the fourth commandment. But it was even more clear to them that you should not 
Um, Because if you do, you're putting yourself in place of God. And that can only end badly for you. The poor people that listen to you aren't going to be that happy either. So I'm studying in one of my Bible studies with a bunch of fellows about my same age, and they've gone through several religions or religious um, study um, guides to get to the same point, and we are continually studying the Bible. And that's the important part. So we're now stuttering, studying John. Now, John was Jesus' BFF here on earth. And he understood things because Jesus explained to him that the other disciples didn't get. Now, he didn't understand it all, but he understood how important it was for Jesus to pass it on. So I'm going, I was asked to do some background for our Bible study, and I'm going to read that to you um, as I send it to them. All right. All right. Guys, I hope you had as great an Easter as I had. The good news, according to John, was less about Jesus' birth, death, and rebirth, and more about the fact that he, Jesus, came to judge humanity. He shall come to judge the quick and the dead, all right? Jesus decided we were still worth the effort and judged our paltry efforts with grace and truth. And that's the fourth cornerstone of the Christian life. Rather than what we had earned until that point, through Jesus, John learned that evil was our every moment enemy, continuously bashing what we thought we knew so that we continue to build our understanding of Moses' requirement that we work to discern what we are doing here on earth. Now, the problem with that is Moses and every human, including you and me, has been raised in the Adamic, the Adam style of decision-making. We judge the way Adam judged. And his first judgment was, this is good for me. Um, The way it's written in the Bible is uh, about Eve. She saw that the fruit was good and she ate it. So that saw that the fruit was good part, that says she reached a judgment. She made a decision. She accepted that the fruit was good. And because of that acceptance and because of Adam's acceptance, we have been stuck on this same method, looking for knowledge and power rather than the method God wanted us to use. Now, which one did he want us to use? Son of a gun. He had the Bible written to tell us. What he told us was that we must be reality-based, not opinion-based or perception-based or desire-based. 
the way every human thought and deed is today. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. We need to switch from that, from the subjective point of view. What does it mean to me and people that I like and what will it get for me? To the objective. What will this do for all my brothers and sisters as well as me? How will this get me closer to what God wants me to do and understand and grow with? And that is reality. And our God is the God of reality, not the God of perception, not the God of opinion, not the God of belief. He is the God of reality. And you were gifted with the ability to accept and, and understand God. And that's called faith. Now, if you misplace that faith in other humans, and very famously the Bible says, put not your faith in princes, or anybody else human for that matter. But if you do that, then you are making a huge mistake, and that mistake is known as sinning. You are going the wrong way. The only right way is to structure your life the way God instructed us. Now, once again, I'll go over it real quick. Uh, although, I'm, if you've listened to me in the past, you already know. God said to use his faith in us as the foundation, never altering, unshakable foundation, his faith in our ability to win through and be successful. All right. The first cornerstone is logic. Look at reality and perceive it in all its beauty. Use reason, the second cornerstone, to handle that logic and come up with a, an idea about what can be done to move things forward. Then check that idea using wisdom. And that's the third cornerstone. Now, the fourth cornerstone we didn't get to and we didn't get brought to us until Jesus came, and that is grace and truth. Now, a lot of times we will jam those two together and call it love because love has at its base grace and truth. Unfortunately, there's a lot of other things that they hang on love, and that gives it a different flavor. So be careful if you call it love. And a lot of biblical translations do call it love. So be wary of that. All right. So anyhow, John learned that evil was our every moment enemy, continually twisting what we thought we knew so that we continue to build our understanding of Moses' requirements that we work to discern what we were doing here on earth on the shifting sands of subjective human expectation. Evil's effectiveness using this approach explains why Hitler thought he was doing Germany a favor by killing off the Jews. Anybody that wants to kill off the Jews is evil. You can take that one to the bank. You can take that, not a particular guy, but all the Jews. If you want to get rid of the Jews, there's only one thing backing you, and that's evil. And that's because 
we have to have the Jews. They are not just our canary in the coal mine. They are our stalking horse. They are what Christians can look at and say, A, we don't want to go down that path, and B, we got to keep them around because when they start to turn back to God, we know that time is near. And that's in Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy, in case you're not aware of it, we are in the midst of prophecy coming true. April, what is today, the 13th, 2021, prophecy has come true to the point where we are on notice and on the edge. This will be Christian's second chance. And we haven't completely screwed up the first, but we've gone a long way. Because America was the homeland for Christians, and we've allowed non-Christian people to take it over and to begin to destroy it. Now, we have to work to get it back. All right, so the place that we were when when Germany thought he or when Hitler thought he was doing Germany a favor by killing off the Jews. And this also explains why liberal leftists express a holy zeal about destroying America. Evil can consumes every human that does not effectively fight against it. Now, John will tell you that you have an, an opportunity, and we will go over that, and it's called Christ, and you do have that opportunity. But I go through John 1.1, and I read it in two different um, translations. The modern religious translation says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, so that's one John 1, 1 in a religious translation. Now, going back to the 1599 Geneva Bible, it says, In the beginning was that Word. The word existed before any mention of God. And that word was with God, and that word was God. Now, what this means, they sound an awful lot alike, but the head of subjective thought and rationale, desiring power and knowledge, has to be a person or an agency. And that is the problem. And that's why evil wanted it for us and basically stuffed it down our throats. And we said, yum, yum, let's have some more. And that's why God doesn't want us to have it. So God had this reported through John. In the beginning was that word. In other words, reality and logic existed and that word was with God, and that word was God. So he, God is created of, if you will, or coexistent with, however you want to call it, reality. Max Planck, the physicist, who won the Nobel Prize, I think it was 1918, 
um, was very plain about the thought that the reason that he thought that reality existed, and he was the leading physicist of his day, was because it was an aspect of consciousness. Now, that's going to be a hard one for most people to understand. But if you are reality-based rather than person-based, then you'll understand, or you, you'll get closer to understanding at least, that God so loved the world, not only to give his only begotten son, he gave his son to give us the information that we are all part of reality through God. Our souls are part of reality through God. And that brings me to a point where I break from what I normally uh, say at the beginning. You know, in the beginning I said this program is a non-religious, non-spiritual investigation. And that's exactly what it is. But I want you to understand that that doesn't mean that they don't exist or that they shouldn't be investigated. Paul was very, very clear in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting with verse 19. First thing he said, which I really like, don't put out the Spirit's fire. So when you have a, the Holy Spirit goads you into looking for something, don't ignore it. Did you ever think the Holy Spirit may not be done with you yet? Those little questions that you have, where did they come from? Verse 20 says, don't despise what God has revealed. In other words, it's in the Bible for you. You have to dig for it, but the information is there. And one of the things that we're going to go through this evening is, is the way that, that we don't look at the Bible. And that's on us. And the reason that that's on us is because we are blithely following evil's lead. Okay? And that is the next two verses from Paul. Instead, test everything. Don't just question test. Now that testing bed that we talked about earlier, the foundation of God's faith in us, and then the four cornerstones, logic, reason, and wisdom, that's how you test uh, everything. You test with lot. You, you formulate an opinion or a thought, better than opinion, with logic, and then you test it or manipulate it with reason and then you hold on to what is good by checking it against wisdom and the fourth cornerstone grace and truth means that you can build another layer on top of that and another layer and those solid layers will build as high as you want to build your civilization and or your understanding of God because they're built on the foundation that God supplied. And finally, verse 22 in 1 Thessalonians 5, keep away from every kind of evil. 
So the part that I wanted to tell you about that we don't normally go into, the part of the spiritual. Jesus, I'm sure you'll remember, one of his miracles was a man who was so invested with evil spirits that he could not relate normally to human beings. He could not control himself. He could not be controlled. And because he, he was being controlled by evil spirits. And Jesus threw those evil spirits out and into a um, herd of pigs. And the pigs were so crazed by the shock that the evil spirits um, had because Jesus was able to throw them out in just one swift move with no warning that they took the pigs into the water and drowned the pigs to release themselves from the prison of the pig's flesh so that they, even though they could no longer stay on earth, at least they could go back, unfortunately, to evil. But they could go back and perhaps get another chance to come back to earth. And that's the part that we ignore. Reincarnation is something that we ignore. We, in our foolishness, say it doesn't exist. We don't know what God does. But Jesus understood that it existed. There would be no reason to say that they were evil spirits if there weren't also good spirits that could exist outside the body. Because your body is just that. It is a place for your spirit to develop, using your mind, your soul. Now, your soul is something that will last for all eternity. Paul understood this, and he actually drew it out. And I'm, I'm going to have to look it up because I'm not sure if it was for the Ephesians. But he said, the spirit is on top, the the body is on the bottom. The mind is the aspect that manipulates the body and the soul. And above the spirit is the, the spirit of uh, the Holy Spirit. So the spirit from God is manipulated into your soul by the Holy Spirit. And your body is manipulated by your mind into your soul, and it's a conjoining. You have to take as much from each opportunity as you can, cleanse it, and bind it to you. So that is, look up, look different kinds of reincarnation. Don't automatically ignore it. Jesus accepted it. Paul accepted it. Don't say, God can't do this, or I don't think he can, or I don't, I've been told that he can't, because you have not necessarily been told the truth. So follow Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5.13. Don't despise what God has revealed. Instead, test everything and hold on to what is good and keep away from every kind of evil. 
So if you do that, you'll be in much better, better shape and we'll try and get you to the point where you understand what John was trying to tell you from Jesus. We're going to go to a break now, and when we come back, we will continue on through John 1 through 3. Thank you. Swamp, fake news, racist hats? Are you afraid to believe anymore? Well, let me tell you of one brave soul who, like David, slew Goliath. The true story of one man's fight against greed, corruption, and insatiable ambition in small-town Ohio, Checkmate reveals why passion and integrity are rare in the corridors of swing state politics. If you want to hear the truth, how the swamp operates in Ohio with all the political corruption in real time, get Steve Krause's tell-all true life story, Checkmate, One Man's Fight Against Political Corruption, available on Amazon. As a newly elected state representative, Steve takes you behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, and rips back the curtain to expose all the lies, the deceit, and power-hungry gamesmanship. Checkmate reads like a TV drama, but it's not. Once you start it, you won't be able to put it down. Checkmate, one man's fight against political corruption by Steve Krause, available on Amazon today. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll, you'll be, be the, the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. Again, if you want to call the comments or to ask for clarification on something, please call 888-677-9673. Well, we went to our break. Uh, we broke in a good spot, and that is with Paul telling you not to put out the Spirit's fire to test everything. And I related to you how God in the original Testament told us how everything should be structured so that you can test it. God was very, very clear when he said, when someone comes to you and says that he is from me, you will know that to be true, 
if everything he says comes true. If it does not come true, he did not come from me. And that's it. Our God is the God of reality. No um, spin doctors <laughs> on God's team. Uh, none of that is necessary. Um, so I want to un- tell you something now about Christianity. Um, something that has been, um, how do I say this, uh, messed about, mixed up, um, probably with good intentions. I read chapter John chapter 1, verse 12, in the King James, the NIV. And by the way, if you've got a King James Bible, you need to understand when the... Um, how shall I put this? When the copyright was done for the printing that you have, because it has been changed over the years. The 1611 version that was presented to King James can be found nowhere that I'm aware of other than a museum here in the United States. Now, it's a shame because we all think, oh, the King James, that's it, the gold standard. And it's not. It was, um, but to be honest, the one that was just done before that and has been kept pretty pure was the 1599 Geneva Bible. So if you can get one, that's great. You can go online and get one because they have not, so far as I know, permitted any other copyrights of this. It's the original. Now, it was done in German, so it has been translated to English from the Vulgate Latin. Um, But still, you're getting what the people in 1599 got and what they understood to be true. And nobody tried to make it easier for you. So here's the point that I want to make, and that's John 1.12. That's where Christians, Christianity was created. And it's important that it be in the very first chapter. Um, Because otherwise, we're just a bunch of guys and girls, you know? We don't have any mandate. There is no covenant for us unless Jesus utters these words, and he does it through John. And he says, But as many as received him... To them he gave prerogative. That means you have to opt in. Nothing and no one can do it for you. To be the sons of God. So when everybody's busy calling him the son of God, calling Jesus the son of God, and he's saying, I'm the son of man, what he's telling them is everybody's, the Son of God, or can be if they wish to be, because you are connected to God. But I have a special mandate from God to be the Son of Man. So everywhere you read in the New Testament where he says he's the Son of Man, he's trying to tell you, guys, I'm here on a mission. I'm here on purpose. This is not a mistake. So... I start off my 
discussion with them by saying, if you are not able to fully commit to reorganizing your entire conceptualization of reality to fulfill Jesus' wishes for you, that's becoming objective-based rather than subjective-based, but wanted more time before making your decision, then your opportunity was bookmarked by merely believing in his name. All right? The rest of 112. But as many as received him, to them he gave prerogative to be the sons of God. It is a second part that you only get in the 1599 Geneva Bible. And it is separated by a comma. And the word is italicized so that you understand that it is an important point. In the second part, this is the this says, even to them that believe in his name. All right? So you can follow, you can completely commit, restructure your life, follow everything he tells you, and you will be on your pathway to God. John 13, no man goeth unto the Father, but by doing as I do and following my path. Now, in our modern Bibles, it says, but by me, and just leaves it there, you get to guess what he meant. The older Bibles are a little more strictly purposeful. And this one, John 1, 12, the second part, to them he gave prerogative to be the sons of God, even to them that only believe in his name. Now, I put the word only in there because in our day and time, we intensify things that way. It was not necessary then. So, you have two opportunities to be a Christian. You can commit fully, wholeheartedly, restructure your life. The way you'll find out in John 3, when he's talking with Nicodemus, Jesus says it's like being born again. We will go over that because it's it really is beautiful. And once you understand it, you know, you hit your head with your palm of your hand. Oh, man, why didn't I get that? Well, the fact is that evil doesn't want you to get that. It doesn't want you to understand. So it will put people in front of you that almost see it, but not quite. And because they can't see it, they can't pass it on to you. That is the part where John was stymied. John could not really understand it. He knew it was important, but he couldn't really understand how you created a life objectively. But he knew it was important to Jesus that the characterization with Nicodemus was something that needed to be reported. None, absolutely none, of the Gospels. And that includes the 13 or 14 that were not accepted for the New Testament. 
none of the Gospels are able to relate what Jesus said on that day that he and Nicodemus discussed afterwards. And it's not because they were blinded by God or that their ears couldn't hear. It's just that they couldn't understand in order to relate it. If you have always only done things one way, you won't know that there's another way. Now, I'll give you an example from my own life when I was a child. And that is, we all learned math, you know, what we now know of as base 10. You know, you count it from 1 to 10, and then 11 to 20. Everything was based on sets that were the size of 10. New math came along, and nobody could understand it. My teacher, Miss Charlotte Fink, dear sweet lady, couldn't understand it. She had the book. She had it open. She was trying to explain it to us, and she couldn't get it. Now, I'm an eighth grader, along with all the other eighth graders, and I read the book. She, I said, would you show me where that is? And she did. She showed me in the book what she was trying to tell people. And she couldn't get it, and they couldn't get it, so nobody was learning. Everybody was looking around like, all right, what do we do here? And I said, oh, I get it. What if you only had four fingers and no thumbs? Then you would think that everything should be eights. So it would be one to eight, it'd be nine to 16, like that. So a set of two hands would only be eight. And she thought about it, and I said, and if you were like three-fingered Louie, then you would only have six in your, you know, if you were to hold up your hands, you could only show six. She got it. Oh. So that's when set theory was brand new. Nobody had under, you know, that was the part that was coming after this. And so... But because she got that example, the way Jesus gave out examples uh, with his parables, she got it, she was able to understand it, she taught it not only to the class, she taught it to the other teachers in the school. And (laughs) they said, where did you figure this out? She said, one of my students figured it out. And of course, they didn't want to believe that. But at the same point, The fact is, somebody's got to get it, and then they have to pass it on. Well, none of the um, disciples got it. None of the gentlemen and ladies, eventually, that wrote Gospels got it. But John knew that it was important, so he wrote the characterization by Jesus to Nicodemus about it being so revelatory to you that it's like being born again, and he's right. And I can say he's right, and you can say, well, of course he's right, he's Jesus. Well, I'm telling you he's right because logically he's right. 
And that's why the washing away the sins, not having to go back and look at everything you've done and ask for forgiveness um, because you didn't know. I mean, all of this, everything that we accept as normal in the Christian pantheon of, of what to do and how to do it, all makes sense when you realize what he was trying to tell you and that is to structure your life the way God um, authorized, and that is objectively, reality-based, rather than subjectively and perception-based. Now, that doesn't mean that you're still not going to have objective opinions, whether you like one pizza place over another or one hamburger joint over another. That's all subjective, and that's fine. But that's no way to build a life. And that's no way to build a society or a civilization. And we were doing that and following what the Bible told us and just kind of limping along until finally we have the, in Ephesians 2, 2, Paul tells us about the children who are obedient to evil. And it's a shame, but they are. They are the disobedient children of God. There's no better way that I can think of to put it. Um, look up Ephesians 2.2. 2. He, he explains about Olam Hazah, about this world, and the fact that this world is a kind of a training ground. It's an opportunity for us to become more sophisticated and to get our feet under us and to figure it out who it is we are and what it is we want to be. Um, and the ruler of this earthly existence is evil. Now, the director of evil, de-evil, devil. So, the director of evil... The prince of the air is the ruler of, if you want to call it the asylum here on earth, that's fine. But it's up to us to push our way through, read the Bible, and find out what it is that God wanted us to know and what he wanted to do with that knowledge. All right? So that is the... Most important thing in John 1, and it's backed up, that bookmarking that opportunity for later is backed up in John 3.18. Both are seen as salvation for those who commit or for those who merely believe the human objective or subjective belief and reserve the right to commit later. John 3.18 will relate that only those who reject Jesus' teachings or name are condemned already. And that's why Jesus sent everybody out to hear about what Jesus offered. Now, we have not been giving them the straight stuff, and that's on us. So we're, our job is not done. We still have to go to people, and we have to go to them with truth and understanding. 
God sent Jesus with grace and truth. We have to take truth and understanding and show them grace. That's our job as Christians. So in John 1.46, just to go finish with John, Nathaniel was remarking on um, Nazareth. So he was told, oh yeah, this this guy from Nazareth, you know, um, John the Baptist told me that this is the Lamb of God. And Nathaniel's going, ah, oh, come on, whatever came out of Nazareth that was worth anything. Well, the reason he said that is because the Jews of that time were very wary about going anywhere near the people who had declared themselves Nazarene. Now, they kind of stuck them as far away from the city and any kind of um, trail that they could because these were the people who decided that they wished to consecrate their lives to God, and they did so by never cutting their hair. Uh, I think the Hasids are, um, are taking it from that. They study the, the words of Moses constantly, so they're very religious. Um, but that's what Nathaniel was reacting to. Um, Jesus was part of the tribe of Judah. He was not a Levite. Um, all this stuff is in the Bible. Now just pick up the Bible and start reading. But when you get to the part of things you've heard, like Jesus casting the evil spirits out of that man and into the herd of pigs, say, all right, well, why did Jesus say it was evil spirits? And that's because some spirits can exist outside a body for a time and are not evil. So you need to understand that if Jesus accepts this, if God accepts this, if Paul accepts this, then for you to reject it is foolish. So widen your boundaries. Don't think you know something when you don't. And that was Solomon's charge to us in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. Do not depend on your own understanding. Because face it, we're children. We're children in a nursery planet, wandering around, bumping our nose into stuff and trying to figure it out, trying to deal with each other. And that's the problem. The problem is that we deal with each other, but we don't understand what it is that we're doing. So I don't have much time, but I want to follow up, and I could do this some more next week if, if anybody's interested. And that is to understand that each of us is human, raised by humans, in a network of humans, to come to the point where we properly think that we have, quote, gotten a good idea, unquote, of what to expect from other humans. Now, that is the extent of our ability to judge. It's all human-based. All our knowledge is subjective. All our understanding that we get is subjective unless we reach outside the human sphere for God. 
So that is something to keep working on. Um, I remember I said to one of the gentlemen, I said about that Jesus brought us a work program. He got all upset because um, Jesus said, you know, my yoke is light. But you have a yoke. He fashions a yoke for you to do work. Now, this um, friend of mine, lovely man, got all upset because he automatically joined works with achievement. In other words, he was had a little bit of a reflex where he said, oh, no, that's the argument between James and Paul. You cannot get to heaven through works. And that's true. And I never said that. It took him a while to calm down, though. And I said, you're mixing up works with achievement. You cannot achieve heaven through works, only through grace, only after it's offered, and only after the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes so that you can look forward and take it. Remember John 1. He gave them the prerogative to become sons of God. That means that the opportunity is yours. It does not mean that you get it automatically by going to church or doing anything else. There is no automatic. You have to reach out towards God and take what has been offered to you, and that is grace and truth. And the truth will set you free. Another famous quote by Jesus. So, don't automatically push things together because you've heard something about it before and you don't like that thing, so you judge everything on that. That's not the way to do. Um, I think it's worth it to you to switch to the objective method uh, just because God is the one that promoted it would be enough, but since I started doing that, I noticed that fear, regret, second thoughts, and for the most part, anger too, just kind of fall away. It's not that I'm not afraid of what the children of evil can do to us, to, to our fellow brothers and sisters. I am, and I'm working against that. But I know that God loves us in ways that we can't even understand and that he will continue to give us opportunities as long as we use our entire ability to understand and go after. The way it's quoted in the Bible is, I will allow anyone who seeks me wholeheartedly to find me. And that's it. Heart, mind, and soul. You got to do it all. If you really want to find God and you're going to be able to open up to him, you're home free. You just got to keep working at it until you understand, not believe, understand what it is that God wants from you and for you. We always skip over that part. But Deuteronomy 30 will tell you exactly where you are. And I can go to it 
right here, in the time that we are in. And when Moses is telling them, everything that I'm telling you will come through. He will have mercy on you and gather you from all the nations of the world where he will scatter you. Even if you are scattered to the most distant country in the world, the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back from there. We call that Israel. The Lord your God will bring you to the land your ancestors owned. We call that Israel. You will take possession of it, and the Lord will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors were. So this is where we are. And this is where Christians have to work because the next one is the last one. And that is when the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. He has not done that yet. Jews still are hard-headed and refuse to follow God in his way. And that's it for this evening, folks. And we'll see you next Tuesday from the writing is on the wall. <laughs>